Good morning, and again, welcome to Christ the King. We have a guest preacher this morning, and I'd like to introduce you to him. It's my friend, David Zoll. David comes to us from Christ Church in Charlottesville, Virginia, where he lives with his wife, Kate, and their three sons. He is the founder of a ministry uh, called Mockingbird. Some of you may have heard of it, and you've probably heard at least David Glade and I reference one of his recent books, Seculosity, How Career, Parenting, Technology, Food, Politics, and Romance Became Our New Religion and What to Do About It. It might be a lengthy title, but it at least shows us the heart of the Mockingbird ministry, which is to connect the Christian faith with the everyday realities of life. Now, David and I actually know each other through the ministry of Focus. Some of you know that I uh, work part-time for Christ the King and also part-time for a ministry called Focus. And I was up in Massachusetts on Martha's Vineyard this past week with our staff. And while David and I didn't overlap on staff uh, for any years, there are still stories told of David's humor, of his grace, of his friendships with staff who still uh, are my colleagues. And when David was on staff, he served in uh, New England, and he would travel miles and miles and miles going to the boarding school campuses of New England, coming alongside students, building friendships, opening the Bible, answering hard questions, helping foster Christian fellowship in those places. I was chatting with David this morning, and he is now down uh, on a, near another campus at UVA, and he told me there are a few of our alumni, many of you know Mimi and I live on campus at Episcopal High School, and he said a few of our alumni are actually connected with him down there, and it didn't surprise me one bit. It's not often that we have guest preachers. It's not often that we have guest preachers and we ask them to preach on Revelation. <laughs> David has a new book coming out called Low Anthropology, The Unlikely Key to a Gracious View of Others and Yourself. I think that David's understanding of human nature and of the nature of God is one which will encourage us, that points us to the true Christian hope. And so I'd love to pray for David as he opens God's word for us this morning. David, can you come up here and I'll pray for you? God, we pray that you would speak through Dave's words, that they would be yours. Would you minister to our hearts and our minds and our very souls? In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for that incredibly warm introduction. It's very, uh, I kind of got to relive my focus years by driving this morning from Charlottesville straight here in a Subaru. I used to have a Subaru there, and I changed at a 7-Eleven, which I used to do all the time uh, as well. The 7-Elevens in New England are a little nicer than the ones around here, I'm happy to tell you, or sad to tell you. Um, but thank you. And you know what a passage this is to preach on from Revelation. It's one of the great pictures of the kingdom come that we receive uh, in Revelation 7. But to get at what I think John is uh, talking about here, I want to tell you about a club. Maybe you've heard about it. The Club de Giulietta. Club de Giulietta. I heard about this a couple years ago. There was a news story written about it. It's a group in Verona, Italy, which exists for the sole purpose of answering the over 6,000 letters written to Juliet every year. Juliet of Romeo and Juliet. These letters are overwhelmingly sad. 
It's predominantly women, but some men who have had their hearts broken, often repeatedly, and are looking out to that love-struck, Shakespearean, suicidal teenager in search of some relief. One of the volunteers in this club wrote, said this, she said, people start the letters often saying, Juliet, you are the only one who can understand how I feel. Which is nice in a way, but very sad in another way because they don't feel like they can talk to the person next to them. Now the truth is, uh, we all have a letter we could write to Juliet, I think. No one gets through this veil of tears uh, without shedding a few of them themselves. And especially when it comes to love, it often seems, and in fact I think it's demonstrably true, there doesn't, there's not enough love to go around. Maybe you had, maybe you felt loved at one point in your life and then you, you lost it. There's a scarcity mentality around love. Such that when um, John uh, refers to, or he asks one of the elders in this vision, in this revelation, who is this gathered company singing and being right there next to God and the Lamb in heaven with white robes on? He, the answer he receives is that they're part of a different club. He says, these are they who have come out of a great tribulation. Other uh, um, translations call it the great ordeal. Now, I don't think he's referring to something specific. I think that life can often feel like a great ordeal. Does it feel like that to you, a tribulation? If it doesn't now, then maybe it has in the past. I was struck this past week by a report from the CDC said that from 2009 to 2021, the share of American high school students who say they feel, quote, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness rose, again, between 2009 and 2021, from 26% to 44%. Depression is that strong of a reality, the highest level of teenage sadness ever recorded now to my way of thinking that is simply indicative of a great ordeal of life is defined often, far too often, by tears and scarcity, heartbreak and sin. So if life feels to you like an ordeal, if life in 2022 simply feels like one thing after another, well then the, the, the group that John is encountering here, the whole company of heaven, this might be a word of hope to you. You might find yourself among that number. Who knows? Of course, this club isn't just defined by suffering or mortality or heartbreak. It's also defined by the robes. These robes, these white robes that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Here we are, back to classic New Testament, slightly icky, or Old Testament as well, icky imagery, to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Maybe you know the, the old Woody Guthrie Wilco song, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? It's, 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 it's not easy imagery. 
And I, but I think that it is important. I learned in researching this, you know, I always think about, uh, you know, being washed white as snow and this being a beautiful image of, um, of, of a cleaning, of a clean slate and that sort of imagery. But I didn't really realize what this related to as far as, it, um, as, far as animal husbandry. I'm not, you know, usually uh, Christ's metaphors, when he goes into agricultural metaphors, it, it's miraculous that they still kind of make sense. We can think about wheat and tares. We know about rocky paths and stony paths. We know about the crows and the, the um, lilies of the field. But this one I didn't know. And this is what I didn't know, and I looked it up. It's not just a preacher talk, okay? This is actually true. This actually happens. Every year at lambing time, so when sheep are giving birth, there are lambs and ewes, you know, the, the mothers, which do not make it, okay? So a ewe whose lamb has died, though, is filled with milk, but refuses to nourish any other lamb she does not recognize as her own. An orphaned lamb whose mother, whose ewe has died, um, can starve because no other ewe will accept and nourish it. The shepherd's job in this situation is the shepherd takes the lamb that has died, slits its throat, pours its blood over the body of the living lamb. Are you with me? It's gross. Okay? You should be a little grossed out by this imagery. But recognizing that blood, the you will now nurse and save the orphan lamb. If, and I looked it up. It's like, does this really happen? Did this really happen or is this a convenient thing? No, I found multiple people who'd grown up in sort of lamb farms saying this actually does happen. Usually what happens is you take the skin of the dead lamb, the and rub it all over the other baby, and so that the mother will nurse it. But blood is often used as well. So that's what's happening here. To be washed in the blood of the lamb is to be adopted as a child uh, through no action of your own, and yet through the sacrifice of the lamb that has died. Now, I think that's a beautiful and, it, and it, it aligns perfectly with the great hymn that the people in heaven are singing here, which is salvation belongs to the Lord. You see, this little baby lamb doesn't do this. The shepherd does it. The good shepherd does it. Salvation belongs to our God, which is to say the vision that John receives of the kingdom come of the second Jerusalem is of a place of grace where you are washed and adopted into the family of God through no effort of your own. And yet this imagery of being washed, if it makes you think of baptism, that is not too, uh, I don't think that's a stretch either. Because the, the robes are white. You don't remain bloody. You don't remain sort of bathed in guilt and death. No, the, the, the robes are white. I was reminded, <clears throat> I don't know if you read this story, did you know that between October and March, the New York Public Library System received 91,000 lost and, uh, items, overdue books? 91,000. And some of these had been checked out in like 50 years ago. 
They came with notes saying, thanks, I grew up with these books. I'm sorry I held on to them so long. They were a part of my motherhood and my teaching career, yet they clearly belonged to you. Now, why did that happen? Why did, did, um, did, this, why were, did so many people decide to return their books to the library? And by the way, in returning the books to the library, they started to come back to the library too because all their cards had been canceled because they'd kept out these books so long, right? That's 91,000 people or something in that ballpark. Well, in October, the New York Public Library decided to cancel all fines. They decided to wipe the slate clean of any library fines. And the, I think the quote was from the, um, the guy uh, who's the head of the New York Library said, you know, I realize we're not in the fine collection business. We are in the encouraging people to read business. And by, they were, but, but you know, they, they get $3 million a year in overdue fines. So they decided they had to absorb that cost to take it on the chin or find another way to raise that money. But in doing so, they received all of this back and they got people, I think a 15% increase in people using the free library. Now isn't that interesting? That, to me, is a beautiful picture of people whose robes have been washed white as snow wanting to go and back to uh, worship, as they say, at the uh, altar of learning and knowledge. Now, that's just a tiny glimpse of the vision we are receiving here. You see, we, it turns out that heaven is not just a place of grace. It's also not a place of scarcity. It's a place of abundance. We read that there is no hunger or thirst, no scorching. In fact, the, 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 the lamb that was slain leads us to springs of water of life. You don't have to worry about it stopping or running out. Not only is your, your debt wiped out, your slate wiped clean, but what's coming at you the love and, 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 and adoption and, and adoration of the Father is never ending. It is, it's not static. This is the place where inexhaustible need meets inexhaustible love. You know, I think sometimes we think that our need and weakness is an obstacle to getting what we want, so we, we hide it. We think people will only love us if we appear strong. But what this passage tells us in part is that need, the, 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 the dirty robe that needs to be washed is in fact the conduit to God's grace and mercy and fellowship. It almost seems like a, like a precondition that only the thirsty get the water. Only the dirty are forgiven and washed clean. I think this is true. True hope in life really does only come when the denial stops in fact, in the Club de Giulietta, one might think that reading and responding to these letters would be the most depressing job imaginable, but the odd effect of witnessing and facing so much loneliness, the club members explain, is that it actually makes people feel closer to humanity at large. One member is quoted saying, seeing that, seeing that so many people are sharing the same feeling makes you a little less lonely. And so this vision, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what old library books you're holding on to that are keeping you from, from, from coming straight directly to the throne of the Most High. 
I don't know what comfort, what tears you're crying on the inside or on the outside. But I know that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who breaks in to our closed circle of protectiveness and fear and does so with comforting and redeeming purpose to assure us that redemption has come and is coming. That the thing you and I are so desperately trying to get out of life, to secure the scarcity we're trying to avoid, scarcity of love and acceptance, it will ultimately be fulfilled without any mediated barrier. This news, this glorious uh, hosanna of a uh, gospel is not dependent on us grasping it intellectually. It is pure gift. It is the work of the shepherd. It is the work of the lamb. You and I are here to receive, not to earn or achieve. This blood of the lamb calls us together today, calls you together to your neighbor today, and offers us this promise of a place at God's throne where we are both comforted, consoled, and provided for. There's something very powerful if you, those of you who've read the Jesus Storybook Bible. But it ends in uh, sort of with a reference to this great promise that every tear will be wiped away. And uh, when Sally Lloyd-Jones writes, in some mysterious way that would be hard to explain, everything was going to be more wonderful for once having been so sad. To those living through the great ordeal, salvation has come, and it belongs to our God, and I'm grateful for that. Amen.